You're listening to the HFO Multifamily Market Watch podcast. Apartment owners who need to know trust HFO, the leading source for multifamily information in Oregon and Washington. Welcome back to HFO's Multifamily Market Watch podcast. It's Monday, June 27th. I'm Mike Pierce, HFO Research Analyst. The big stories from this past week. Eight Oregon metros are set to eliminate minimum parking requirements. What kind of return can you expect if you converted to affordable housing? And rising interest rates affect on owners and renters. HFO's podcasts are sponsored by the construction firm J.R. Johnson, offering restoration and emergency repair work for multifamily properties. HFO is your leading multifamily firm in Oregon and Washington. Now, on to our news briefing. Driven by efforts to address the statewide lack of housing and the slow effects of climate change, Oregon is set to adopt a new permanent land use rules in July that would do away with minimum parking requirements for home and businesses in the eight most populous metro areas. In Oregon, eliminating minimum parking mandates is seen as a way of encouraging compact, climate-friendly communities that address severe housing shortages by making it easier, safer, and more affordable to live and work without a car. A parking referendum network study that found the cost of building individual parking spots at $20,000 for surface lots and can surpass $60,000 for underground garages. The cost is absorbed in the cost of building homes and businesses and is passed off in rent. And the land is devoted to parking that could easily be used to build more desperately needed housing. The new rules are part of a greater effort dubbed Climate Friendly and Equity Communities that was launched following an executive order from Kate Brown instructing state agencies to slow greenhouse gas emissions and address affordable housing crisis. Under these rules, Oregon's eight most populous metros, Portland, Salem-Kaiser, Albany, Corvallis, Central Lane, Bend, Middle Rogue, and Rogue Valley, need to change their local transportation and land use plans to do more to ensure Oregon's have more safe and comfortable ways to get around and don't have to drive long distances to meet their daily needs. The rule also aims to improve equity and help community transportation, housing, and planning. These changes from the Department of Land Conservation and Development ask cities to design climate-friendly areas to allow people to build taller buildings providing more housing. The crowd of investors who want to put their money in government-subsidized affordable apartment properties make some housing advocates nervous. Advocates worry that investor groups at some point may convert the apartments to market rate, making the current shortage of affordable housing even worse. But many of these investors insist that the tax benefits and returns are good enough to keep these properties in the affordable housing programs. Many investors value the steady income from fully occupied properties priced well below the housing markets around them. Investors spent $44 billion to buy affordable housing in 2021, according to JLL Research. From 2010 to 2021, 11% of money spent on apartment transactions were for affordable housing properties where rents were formally restricted to be affordable to households earning up to 60% of the area median income. Many of these investors are drawn to affordable housing properties for the reason that core real estate investors once bought expensive flagship office buildings, steady, dependable income. Just 0.13% of all Fannie Mae loans to affordable housing properties were seriously delinquent in the first quarter of 2022. That's below Fannie's overall serious delinquency rate of 0.38%. Well-operated properties with affordable rents stay highly occupied and offer a reduced risk profile that is attractive to investors as a buffer against market volatility. Investors interested in affordable housing face high barriers to entering the market. The government programs that subsidize affordable housing have changed and changed again and again over the years. A single property may have to comply with the rules for multiple generations of local, state, and federal affordable housing programs. Private equity funds, including funds managed by leading companies such as Starwood and Blackstone, are also buying affordable housing properties. These funds often buy older apartments that have rental subsidy contracts with the Federal Department of Housing and Urban Development, 
These subsidized apartments tend to be fully occupied by low-income households who consistently pay their rent on time with help from the project-based housing assistance program, or HAP, rental subsidies. What is interesting to me is that buyers now pay higher prices relative to the income from these affordable housing properties. The typical cap rate is often just 25 basis points higher than a comparable market rate property. In comparison, just five years ago, buyers often demanded cap rates of 100 basis points higher for affordable properties than the cap rates they accepted for conventional apartments. Rising interest rates affects on owners and renters. Investors who bid up apartment building prices to record levels over the past few years are starting to come under pressure as rapidly rising interest rates squeeze their profits. Steeper borrowing rates often make it harder for apartment landlords to pay back their loans. That could also be bad news for tenants if it encourages building owners to raise rents higher than they might otherwise because that is their primary tool for generating income. Sales of apartment buildings have been strong for years, but they broke records during the pandemic when rents soared to record level highs. Prices for apartment buildings rose even faster as investors bet that rents will keep going up in the future. The annual volume of rental apartment purchases almost doubled between 2019 and 2021. In fact, in the first quarter of 2022, investors spent $63 billion on apartment buildings. Two things have happened recently that make future profits more challenging. Investors started buying apartment buildings at prices that have gone up so much, so fast, that their return rates are shrinking. Prices paid for apartment buildings rose 22.4% during the year's first quarter from the same quarter a year ago. Then, interest rates shot up quickly this year, so that some multifamily initial return rates have fallen a percentage point or more below the interest rate on their mortgage. The imbalance means that landlords make less money on their buildings than banks, even though they carry much more risk. The phenomenon, known in the industry as negative leverage, hasn't been this widespread since the subprime crisis when defaults on apartment buildings' debt soared. Few expect a wave of defaults similar to the subprime crisis. Investors are less indebted today, and rental apartment buildings are likely to continue to appeal to big pension funds and asset managers as a relatively stable asset, propping up the prices. Moreover, many apartment investors believe that they would survive a period of lower returns because they expect rents can continue growing at a fast pace, pushing up their returns over time. Owners who paid steep prices for apartment buildings could be at risk if rent growth slows, while rising interest rates threaten to push down building values and make it harder to refinance mortgages. Even a wave of minor distress could have far-reaching consequences for the financial sector because of the sheer amount of money that is now tied up in rental apartment sector. Outstanding mortgage debt backed by multifamily buildings has more than doubled since the financial crisis, to $1.8 trillion, according to the Mortgage Bankers Association. Investors usually calculate a building's profitability by dividing the property's profits before the mortgage payments by the purchase price. In theory, the capitalization rate should be higher than the interest rate on the mortgage because the investor carries more risk than the mortgage lender, who gets paid off first in the event of a default. That is less and less the case, even for buildings that were renovated and mostly leased up. In fact, these profitability rates have been steadily declining since 2015. To come out ahead, investors need rental income to rise. If interest rates rise faster than rents, building values are likely to fall and owners may come under pressure when their mortgages mature. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with a new edition of Multifamily Market Watch. Be sure to check out our most recent HFO TV interviews. We have a new interview with Washington labor economist Scott Bailey talking about employment growth and inflation. HFO TV interviews are available on our website or our YouTube channel. You can always stay up to date on multifamily news throughout the week by visiting or subscribing to the Northwest Apartment Investor blog, available on our website. Thanks for listening and talk to you next week. Stay in the know with HFO. Listen to podcasts, read the latest news, or watch exclusive HFO TV interviews. Connect to our blog, podcasts, or video interviews directly from our website at hforecom